You are Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening, everybody. Um, and guys, look, uh, we're going to go through this year. Super Bowl 53 is in the books. And with that, there's the rep on the 2018 carryover in 2019 NFL regular season. Um, and we are full on off-season mode here. Um, congrats to the New England Patriots. Um, it, it was, if you like defensive football, obviously, this was a great game to watch. Uh, you know, the Rams, and look, we talked about this during the week, um, and the Wade Phillips-Bill Belichick matchup was fantastic. Um, you know, Tom Brady, the veteran, enough to get it done. Jared Goff, I mean, I, I for 60 minutes of football, I mean, he looked like a deer in the headlights from pretty much the first snap to the final snap. We're going to get down to all of this here, guys. Locked on Browns, your Super Bowl wrap here, and as we trans transcend into 100% off-season mode here now, Pete Smith, NFL spin zone, joining us here. Uh, Pete, we went back and forth here, obviously, you know, messages all through it, and you know, there was some thought, there were, first things first, we were both very wrong on the scoring output of this. There were some things that we did have right here. Um, let's get into it, though. Just gameplay right off the bat. Um, you know, not exactly what is expected or what is ever expected offensively with yourselves 14 days in between one game to another. But maybe that's a credit to Wade Phillips and Bill Belichick. I'd be curious to know if this was the lowest scoring total of any game this year. And I'm inclined to believe it is. 13-3? Uh, yeah. So we were saying 16 total? Yeah. I, 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 like I'm unless, trying to think. Was, there was no monsoon game. There was no blizzard yeah, that, game. That seems like the... Unless it was like a Jets-Bills or Jets-Dolphins. Well, Jets I mean, you know, I'm trying to think of the two worst teams in the league. You know, No, it, it had to win. So, so just from that standpoint, if you're saying you've got, you know, the, the greatest quarterback of all time, you know, and, and then Jared Goff, who's coming off, you know, the second half of his life uh, to then come out and score a combined 16 points. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's safe to say nobody expected that. And, and I think there were a lot of things that were unexpected, like the fact that the running game in with so much, you know, advanced data and all this stuff that's basically saying the running game is, you know, I wouldn't say worthless, but significantly less valuable than the passing game. Uh, this game was defined by the ability to run the football and the ability to stop the run of the football uh, and just the amount of time both teams tried to establish it and when they tried to do it. And, you know, there's probably going to be some criticism, especially at McVay, for, for some of the times he chose to do it. Uh, and, you know, I, the, the, the quarterbacks for basically two and a half quarters uh, played terribly. But, you know, the d defenses and the and the ways they changed everything up and, and what you saw from Bill Belichick and Wade Phillips, like the, this is, you know, two guys basically operating at the peak of their powers facing off. It's just a shame that both of them were doing it largely with, with the other team's offenses in absentia because so much was there that they were doing really well. And, and then even some of the plays where, you know, you'd expect Tom Brady to make the play, you'd expect Jared Goff to make – you know, some, some basic plays they didn't, and that really sort of 
made it look like a crummier product than it probably deserved. And, 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 and I can't disagree with that, that part of it. But at the same time, I think like, especially when people go back and, and the all 22 junkies who really get into this stuff are going to be sort of in awe of the, of the amount of looks and, and ways both defensive coordinators sort of uh, scheme to, to beat these, these offenses. Um, what was interesting, obviously, we, you know, we started a little bit early, uh, you know, uh, Gaskowski with the missed field goal. Um, this is one I'm going to go to in, uh, you know, Nikel Roby Coleman. What the hell was that call? I mean, it was almost like, well, 23 made too good of a read and really hit the guy too hard 15 yards. And, 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 the, and the justification through the, you know, the, the play-by-play of it, I mean, he didn't him in the head. He did not hit him in the head. Did he hit him, you know, high neck? Uh, you know, that call was absolute. And the worst part was, is it was called on Dante Fowler, which couldn't have been further from the truth. And then later on in the game, when Fowler committed a game late in the fourth quarter, oh, that was Dante Fowler's second penalty in the game. What is going on? But that is not a penalty. The guy got lit up. It doesn't matter if you're two yards behind the line of scrimmage or 25 yards down the line down the field. It was a clean hit. It was a great play. And it really, really screwed the Rams in their early momentum that they had going on early. It was the polar opposite of the call they missed in the NFC Championship. Yep. It, in this case, the DB did it right. Like they, they gave it to the Saints this week, although the Saints were still sitting at home on their asses. Yeah, so the refs don't throw the flag when the guy gets there way too early at all. They find the dude for unnecessary roughness after the fact. And then this one, the, the DB does it right. You can quibble over if he tackled high or not, but I mean, if, if you're trying to sell the game, that's the tackle you want to have happen. That was a great, great, great play, and it just it it, it just feels like such a rubber band effect of this league, and it completely botches the one and overcompensates for the other. And yeah, it, it does. It did really hurt the Rams, and it wasn't the only time that they got hurt by by some officiating. And some of it was more ticky tack and and stuff like that, but. Uh, yeah, it's it's frustrating that it, it sort of set that tone early with it, but you know that that's the shame of this whole thing is is for all the stuff that went against the Rams in this, they had every opportunity to win until very very late, and it, and it felt like they were always in it, always in it. But even when it was three three, it felt like they were down for for some reason. It well, and I think that comes from the Jared Goff perspective. It just seemed like. It just wasn't there for him today, and you know. And I'll go back to the deer in the headlights, and you know, I, I, you know, Brandon Cooks. This was a guy I mentioned. If the Rams could win, maybe would have been the MVP. Um, you know, played well. You know, obviously a you know, big catch late. You know, that kind of padded the stats a little bit. But it just never seemed like Jared Goff ever got any type of rhythm going. And I, I you know, when I messaged you, it, it seemed like in the first half, it seemed very similar to the NFC Championship game where it wasn't working. And you walked away 3 nothing. It was like, all right, you want to know what? Let's see what McVay can do. Sit down. And you even think with the extended halftime of the Super Bowl, they're going to find, you know, they're going to find a play or two. That's all they needed. It wasn't like they were down 17 nothing. It was only 3 nothing. But, you know, Goff really couldn't execute. It didn't seem like McVay really, there was a huge one, obviously. You know, Tony, Tony Romo highlighted this where Josh Reynolds was wide open 18 yards down the field and easily could have, you know, racked his way to another 20 to 25 that they missed. But it just seemed, look, it's understandable. Jared Goff is a third-year quarterback. 
going against a guy like Tom Brady. I mean, just everything went into it. It just was not Jared Goff's day. Maybe he'll live to fight another day, but he definitely looked like a weak link today. Right, uh, and the, the missed opportunity end zone, made, you know, at the play made by former Brown Jason McCourty, uh, that's the one that's you know. You, you but it was go- also a hanger, though, man. He just needed to drill that. Well, yeah, that's what I mean. If if you want to look at the Cooks play and say Cooks should have made that play, and he should have, you know, those are two touchdowns right there. But one of them's clearly on Goff, and the other one's clearly on a receiver. Um, they had opportunities to to take over this game and, and even, you know, put themselves in an the opportunity to either tie or win, and they just couldn't finish. That's you know, and as much as you know, people are going to talk about what the Patriots did and everything else. I think if you're Sean McVay and you're that coaching staff, you're basically going to, you know, preach to this team. The opportunities were there and we just didn't take it. We were good enough to beat this team and we sort of let, let them, you know, we let them off the hook in that sense. So yeah, it's incredibly frustrating. I think Jared Goff's day basically amounted to that one drive with the cooks drop and and that ball was incredibly well thrown and he had a, I, I, I want to say it was maybe like six plays where he, he suddenly were, were suddenly I took notice and was thinking, oh, did, did he suddenly did something click? Is this the second half of the NFC championship game again? And then, you know, he goes from missing that that Cook's dropping that pass to he, he feels pressure right up the gut. Patriots made a great call at the time. And then golf did, you know, what he does. Took the made the bad throw with awful mechanics and threw the terrible interception and it, it was like that moment. It felt like golf had it and then that's that next play. It was snuffed out and it was just it just felt over. Yeah, and look, I mean, this is guys. Look what we talk about. Um, you know, as much as everybody, we want the big not one extra receiver here in Cleveland. No, if you're going to run that route, run to Brashard Perriman, who you don't throw a lot to. And this is what happens when you're playing this speed guys and all this stuff. Every now and then, you need the toll. That's who you throw that ball to. To Cooks, I mean, look, you know, granted, you know, Gilmore had a little bit of his left arm, but you knew the guy that could go up and get vertical there, take the hit from the safety. Um, but it's not a featured guy, but somebody you can you know, put into that spot here. Um, guys, you're listening to Locked On Browns here. This is your Super Bowl recap. Um, if you were a defensive guy, you really enjoyed the game. iTunes rating reviews now be a great time to go ahead, drop a five star written review. Appreciate it, guys. Um, Pete, I'm going to highlight a couple of personal wins here for you, for me. You've been on this guy for a while now. Corey Littleton for the Rams. Solid player. We talked the prop bets. Uh, the um, wager was set butchered. at... <laughs> <laughs> um, the wager was set at 26.5. The only touchdown and the first touchdown was scored by Sony Michelle. So, you know, some kudos there. But, man, this dude, Corey Littleton, you want to talk about a guy who just finds his way into everything. I mean, I, I believe it was... I think, you know, uh, solo and assist, it was at 14, 15 tackles. But it seemed like this dude was in, in everything that was in the, you know, three to eight yards post line of scrimmage. Corey Littleton played a hell of a game today. Well, yeah, after the week of just chasing Alvin Kamara around, you know, feeling helplessly, but I always felt like he was around the play. He goes to being the right guy at the right time to make the interception. And then he just gets involved in a bunch of plays. And this is, you know, if you're trying to talk about a... If the Rams won, he should have been the MVP. Right. If you want to talk about a story out of this, it's Littleton, who was an undrafted free agent out of Washington, who was a pretty, you know, ordinary player. I was, you know, looking up his stats and stuff from Washington. You know, 
and now he's going to be a free agent, and and hopefully he gets to cash in on that. But if they do win, he's a major major reason why. And and the guy who didn't make a ton of plays in this game that you know you would have thought would have would have been James White, and that's largely because a guy like Littleton was out around trying to deal with him, and certainly White is not Kamara, and that 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 was a big factor in this game. And then likely likewise, I. I Talked about the idea that Patriots might go to Gronk early in the first quarter, and then if you know if they weren't sure about it, they'd come to him late. And and fair, sure enough, they go. I think he had one catch in the first quarter uh, that helped set up the. I think it may have been the missed field goal, and then fourth quarter, it's Gronk. You know, a couple times to get him down to the goal line uh, before some shell cashes it in, and 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 I think, you know, from that sense, you've got. You know, certainly nobody's going to talk about this as a dominant Super Bowl performance, but I think Sonny Michelle gave gave the Patriots exactly what they were hoping to get out of him in terms of when they took him in that with that first round pick. Uh, it was with the Super Bowl in mind, and what happened? He not only scores the only touchdown, he makes a couple of key plays, but he also sort of helps close the door on the Super Bowl when. You know, they need that guy to do that. And that's one of those things the Patriots have never – I don't know if they've had a guy like that since Corey Dillon where they could just literally – they have a great offensive line and they could literally just turn and say, close out the game. Sonny Michelle gave them that element that sort of helped them secure the Super Bowl win. Yeah, um, James White, three touches, two carries, one reception, nine yards. Sonny Michelle, uh, 94 yards and 18 carries. Well over five yards per carry. Um, obviously, the touchdown. Um, look, I, Pete, well, I'll extend my hand. Nick Chubb, Sony Michelle. We'll call it a draw. We'll call it a draw. We both agree. <laughs> both are solid players. Um, and, and that, 94 that, yards is more than I thought he had, honestly. Like, yeah. He, he just snuck up on you. Obviously, he had the big run at the end. Yeah, I mean, but... he had the closer run. Obviously, the closer run at cap the day, which you know, it was that. But, you know, James White, who's just an absolute PIA, pin in the ass, um, was rendered useless, and a lot of that was to Littleton. Um, you know, Gronk, it was like slow and steady. It was kind of like, you know, you know, for the first three quarters, it was, you know, here's a reception, here's a reception, here's a big play. But the fourth quarter, obviously, the one that got him out to the 50-yard line, then the one that got him to, obviously, you know, to, to the play before Sonny Michelle. And, you know, he still, he doesn't look anything like the Gronk we all know. But the problem is, is there's other guys around him. But I do want to get to this. Julian, Julian Edelman absolute surgeon and it was impressive and you know 10 141 you want to, another PIA Julian Edelman just an absolute pain in the butt but dominant I mean just there was they had no answer for him whether it was you know deeper routes you know where they was you know rolling to the side whether it was just giving him the middle and you know Mark Barron and God bless his soul you know, tried to grab him and smart Edelman's part not have your jersey tucked in they just had no answer, and you know, if you run your routes, and this is what we talk about all the time, Pete, especially Browns-wise, run the routes the way they're supposed to be run, you're going to create separation, you're going to get open, and Edelman was just, I mean, he, in my opinion, he was the best player on the field today. The the Rams just didn't have a guy for him. Like, and I mentioned well, it earlier in the tweet. About this with, Peters is not who everybody wants to make him out to be. So there's, I mean, and I don't even know who the Edelman guy is, but go ahead. Right. So, like, first and foremost, like, a keep to leave, other than maybe Hogan, 
you know, there wasn't a guy where he really matched up. Everybody else is, you know, a smaller, quicker guy other than Gronk. So, you know, it's just a, a difficult fit. And then Marcus Peters, however much you may like him, I don't think he played well. I've got people in my mentions disagreeing. But he's a terrible matchup for a slot guy. He's a guy who operates on the sideline. That's a great skill to have. It just became really difficult for a guy like Edelman who's just a quick guy. And hopefully when we get into the draft and stuff and free agency a little bit, People stop with the idea that guys like Jamison Crowder and Andy Isabella and uh, Alameda Zacchaeus and Penny Hart and those type of guys must be rendered only slot receivers. Like these guys, when they're this quick and this, you know, shifty and able to, you know, just run really, really good routes, they're really problematic for some of these corners and you can move them around, especially when you have a tight end in this case, Gronkowski, or you have a guy like David Njoku where you can move around, you know, you can put your size in the middle and, and put your matchups on the outside like that. Like the the Browns thankfully have a coach who's creative like that, but that is a huge advantage when you, you believe in your playmakers and not be able to say, we can get this guy in space and just let him be a problem. And that's exactly what Edelman did in this one. And very little of his flashy, but he just separated really well and made a couple key plays and extended drives. And, you know, and they gave him the MVP for it. And, you know, in a game that didn't have an obvious one, I think the Patriots offensive line may have deserved it or Stephen Gilmore may have deserved it more. But, you know, this is what happens is you get guys with highlights. And, and certainly Edelman had highlights for that. Yeah, uh, it was just, you know, and that was the thing. I mean, and here's the thing, though. If you're the Rams, it doesn't. You can say whatever you want. You lose the Super Bowl thirteen to three. There, there's issues. I mean, it's thirteen points. If you can't, and, that, and I hear the Rams and what they did all year long. You gave up thirteen points, and you're on the wrong end of this. I don't care what team it was against. This is the NFL. Where we are in this modern day NFL. It's 13 points, and you lost by freaking 10. And look, even with Legatron missing the freaking field goal there at the end, and my wife's trying, I'm trying to explain it to her, like, why it was the right decision at the time. And then he, you know, I mean, it wasn't even wide left. I mean, it was like a, it was like a shank seven iron where you throw your golf club into the woods. And now I'm trying to re-explain it to her. But you can't, you go to the Super Bowl, you only give up 13 points, and you lose by 10. You got some questions, and obviously, maybe you are not fit for prime time just yet. And, and the problem that the Rams have is, you know, they they, they got a part, bunch. Of- part of it is Todd Gurley. And oh, this sure, team, th- sure. this was. I mean, and look, they can say whatever they want. Todd Gurley's gonna get a knee procedure here. I don't care what anybody says. He's not one hundred percent because you can say you're not telling me it's C.J. Anderson is just a better player right now. You don't believe, Todd Gurley is not the Todd Gurley we all know. And it's fine. I understand the gamesmanship of it. But you go into this game without the guy who kind of made it all work for you. Sure. But part of the problem is is when you look at what's going to be the Rams next year, certainly they have most of their core players. But, you know, they, they got Sue on a mercenary type contract. They got Aqib Tlaib on a mercenary type deal. I don't. Fowler was a hired gun. 
Fowler was a hired gun. Uh, and, and, and then you look at a guy like Andrew Whitworth, who has been phenomenal for them. How many more years can he do this? I mean, he's already, what, 43? Somewhere in that neighborhood, and he certainly looks it. He's got the the uh, old gray man beard. Hey, I don't easy on the old guys. Hey, he's absolutely like he's been absolutely terrific. Uh, and it's I, the the one thing I will say I'm happy for him with is uh, he's been great for probably ten years before he got to the Rams, and now he's finally getting credit for it. But you know, do that? Do the, does he have another run in him? And can he keep up, keep it up the same level? Because he was integral in their success. So, and we mentioned Littleton; he's going to be a free agent. So, there's a real good, you know, chance that the Rams are going to look completely different. Sure, it's going to be Jared Goff, it's going to be Todd Gurley, it's going to be Robert Woods and Brandon Cooks, and those guys on offense are all going to be back, and Aaron Donald's going to be back. After that, you know, you're going to see a lot of changeover and certainly they have a great head coach in Sean McVay but it's going to be different and and that's going to be interesting whereas the Patriots may be more you know suited to, to reload and go right back I don't know how many guys they're planning on losing it as long so long as they can bring back Trenton Brown and 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 uh Trey Flowers they're basically right back where they were with this year this year's roster so that's going to be interesting. You would you would think between the two that the Rams would be the team that are like, yeah, we're ready to go right back. And and I don't know if that's such a given. It's very difficult in general. Typically, Super Bowl losers have a very difficult time getting back. So that'll be that'll be interesting. And you know, and look, it's you know, you know, can Ga- can Jared Goff make that next up? If Gurley, whatever he's going through, is he going to come back to the Todd Gurley we know? Uh, C.J. Anderson, look, that, that should be something they continue to go with because the combination of the two was a really good thing. Um, we talked about this during the week. You know, these tight ends needed to be a factor in this game. They were, and, and one thing that came apparent through the game was, is you know, the Rams and their play action. But you want to know what? The running game was not enough of a threat that anybody cared, New England-wise. And, and this is what Bill Belichick will do. You want to know what? He'll find something and he'll point something out. And this is what he did. Let him run. I'm not worried about the run. Don't sell out against the run. Let's worry more about the pass. And they were able to control the run, which nullified any play action. And you know, Jared Goff, you know, and a lot of it, and how he did not throw that ball away and took that lick on the sideline. You know, late in the. Uh, I'm just trying to think here. Yeah, it was you know beginning of the fourth quarter. I mean, it just showed a kid who was, you know, a little bit you know not ready for the moment. Because, I mean, man, throw that ball to your mom. Don't take that lick. Just don't take that lick. And it was just some of it there. And, look, I mean, and the tight ends were no factor. Like I said, they needed to, even still, maybe more of a commitment to the run, even if it wasn't going to lead to success so they could probably go with the play action. But I, I just think and it was, you know, McVay, look, he talked about this during the week. Was it going to be the young Jedi versus the big master? The master won. He won easily. Right. Uh, you know, if, if nothing else, this was another, you know, this was Bill Belichick essentially slowing down the hype himself uh, by basically saying, easy now. Uh, you know, I'm still here type thing. Yeah, yeah you're uh, a handsome son of a gun, but uh, some of us have been doing this for about 50 years now. Right. So, you know, it's 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 ridiculous that you're basically saying put another one up, that he's got, he's six and four 
are six and five. Where are we at? Six and four uh, in Super Bowls. It's just stupid, and they're still equipped to be right back. Assuming you know Tom Brady doesn't just decide yeah, I'm good and, and and decides he's done with it. And even if he did, there's part of you that believes that you know not the Super Bowl, but believes that whatever quarterback they'd find would still somehow win the AFC East and be a problem in the playoffs. That's you know how powerful his sort of aura is at this point. He's going to lose another coach. Uh, I mean, Brian Flores, the Dolphins tomorrow, and Greg Schiano will walk right in behind him. <laughs> well, Greg Schiano, not good enough for the Tennessee job, good enough for Patriots defensive coordinator. Uh, no, 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 especially a program that was in disarray, and Greg Schiano, who does not like nonsense. Yeah, but whatever, that's a different story uh, for another day. Yeah. So, yeah, and, and and there's no part of you that thinks. You know, like when they lost Patricia and now they're going to lose Brian Flores, there's absolutely no part of you that goes, oh, well, I don't know how they get past this one. It's all him. And, I, you know, every time people ask me about, you know, what do you think of so-and-so, and I will always point out that when you're coaching in New England, you may, you may be a trapeze artist, but you always have a net. And Bill Belichick is always that net that sort of dots eyes, crosses T's, and makes sure you're right uh, – and once you don't have that anymore, whether it's, you know, Patricia or McDaniels or any of these guys that, you know, they're, they're, there's nothing but concrete underneath and you tend to go splat. So, you know, as much as I hate, you know, the Patriots and I, and I wish the Chiefs would have beaten them and all that stuff, it's here we are again. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Um, uh, guys, uh, Locked On Patriots, uh, Mark Schofield, one of the better guys. In the writer and you know football Twitter community, uh, Mark, enjoy this one. Uh, you know, I, I listened to last year's when he lost. Um, enjoy it. I mean, you know, look, this is a team. You know, Mark is a guy who lives in Maryland, but was born in you know born and raised in Mass. Uh, enjoy every second of it. Locked on Patriots, guys. Check out Mark Schofield over there. Um, for me, you know, do I want to find some highlights here? Sure, Chris Hogan, uh, a former Mammoth Hawk like myself. Sure, the McCordy twins. Rutgers guys, but we're tired of this, and um, it's you know, it's just been something we've seen for too long. But uh, Pete, let's look at it this way: crap load of cap space here for the Cleveland Browns. Eleven draft choices. Let's get ourselves to this dance. This is what we want to compete for next year. Um, it, it seems that they're going away from the Super Bowl. Winner hosting the Thursday night game. This is something I've been schooled on a little bit today, and I did not know this is the way the league was looking at. And I'll be honest with you, I was kind of looking forward for a Cleveland at New England week one. Maybe we'll get it on a Sunday night, but let's go. Let's rebuild this team. I mean, let, nah, I'm sorry, let's not rebuild. Let's finish this team here, our Browns-wise, and let's get into this. Let's get into this fray. I want to see Baker Mayfield playing against these guys. Yeah, and the Browns are certainly, you know, in a position where they can take that next step. And and I don't know any Browns fan who could have possibly been watching this game with Jared Goff, even as good as he was. Right, we couldn't score fourteen. We couldn't score fourteen. Come on now. Well, beyond that, but I mean, even if as great as Jared Goff was in the NFC Championship game, you had to at some point in this. I've been doing in the entire playoffs, even with Hall of Fame quarterbacks. You know, thinking on multiple occasions, Baker Mayfield wouldn't have missed that throw, or Baker Mayfield would have made that play. 
you know, and now it's time for him to sort of be able to prove it. You know, they are in a great situation to add talent to get themselves to that next level. And and honestly, at this point, the the worst thing that can possibly happen for the Cleveland Browns is a work stoppage after 2020. That's their biggest threat right now. Certainly, they have so much to do and, and, and places to go in terms of improving the roster. But really, right now, it's all about they just need to be make sure they're they're at work for 2021 because there's you know as a Cleveland you know Cleveland fan you're sitting there going part of you sitting there thinking about oh my god this is 1994 all over again with the Indians and every record seemed to be getting absolutely slaughtered uh, the Indians were had arguably their best team ever and then boom. Uh, season shortened by a lockout they can't have playoffs and the indians potentially lose out on a world series that's that's going to be a thing for the browns potentially if they can't get this sorted out yeah and look and look so you so your window right now and look and we talked about this guys anybody listening to the show we talked about this with brent soboleski uh tonight this is kind of like a two-year window right now because anybody who covers this game covers this league understands how real the lockout for 21 is and there's grievances on both sides, and it, it, somebody's going to have to budge. And the problem is, is the association doesn't seem like they want to budge, and the owners never want to, you know, let more money out of their pockets. This is a legitimate and serious beef that we're facing here in about two years. So the, the window is now, and if you've got all this money, um, make the best of it. And you know, if if the free agency crop ends up ripe. And but in, in some of the things, and you know, I know some guys. You know, Brandon King came at it, and he's like, "Well, you guys, you know, kind of said this." And maybe, seven, eight, and one isn't the selling point right now. And it, and here's the thing with players and their money is, if I can play in Texas, if I can play in Florida, and I don't have to give up X amount of dollars to Uncle Sam or to state taxes, it's a big, big thing, and it, it it's a big draw to players like Gerald McCoy. Yeah, if he does end up hitting the market. That's fantastic, but if it comes down to dollars for dollars, and this is the last opportunity he's got, um, the Miami Dolphins offer him the same amount of money the Cleveland Browns do, he's going to stick with the Miami Dolphins. He'll go with the Miami Dolphins because it, it, it's about pocketing this money because you have no idea what's going to happen come 2021. I really think the NFL should adopt a policy where cap room is calculated based on post taxes. And I know that sounds like a but bunch of mush mouth stuff but paying somebody 16 million dollars in a state with in a state with no state tax versus paying somebody 16 million dollars in a state in a state like california with a ton of state tax it should really be after the tax rate so a it's better for the players and that they're going to get all their money the owners may not love it from that standpoint but it does make sure that everybody's at least the same playing field when it comes to how much they're getting and how much it affects the cap, because there is an inherent advantage uh, in, in it. You know, God knows Florida doesn't need help; they've already got the weather. Uh, <laughs> but this is just like a common sense thing to me, anyway. That they just make it post, you know, post tax rate salary cap, post tax rate, you know, salary for players. So we eliminate that part of it. It'd be nice, um, but you know. Who knows with the NFL? I mean, the way this league works and the intricacies of all that stuff. But, um, Pete, we are 100% in off-season mode. 
um, we're going to start focusing, guys. Um, what's coming up here for you? The NFL Combine. Yeah, what's coming up here? The window opening for trading. The window opening for free agency. Obviously, the draft. Um, and Pete, for us, I mean, as as great as this year has been to cover this franchise, going from 0-16. Oh, wait a minute. I'm sorry. Before we even go any further. Um, the Rookie of the Year. That was interesting. Um, Saquon Barkley. I will look. Fantastic player. Had a fantastic season. Um, for me, Saquon Barkley was the number two overall pick in the NFL draft. When you were drafting number two overall, the last thing you want to be doing is picking in the top ten the following season. Um, Baker Mayfield was drafted one overall. This team now is drafting 17th. They went wins as opposed to 0-16 the year before. Absolute farce. Absolute farce with the voting. Um, I, I think part of it has to do with the fact that Saquon Barkley plays in New York. I think part of it has to do with people still want to paint Baker Mayfield as that mischievous little Eddie Haskell, pain-in-the-ass kid. And you know everybody wants to say, look, uh, oh, Baker's going to put this on his shoulder. I don't, I don't know if there's enough chips you can put on Baker's shoulder, but you want to know what? Keep disrespecting what went on here this year, and especially what went on after the transition was made where the two fools were thrown out the door and the quote-unquote, he's only a running back coach, has now been given the head coaching job. That's fine, guys. I mean, I think it's more of a team fuel to the fire than it is Baker because I don't think Baker is worried anymore about chips on his shoulder because Baker knows who the hell he is and knows who he is in this league. Um, so look, I, I will, I will make the case for Saquon Barkley. He played all 16 games and he had a 2000 season. Both are phenomenal, especially for a rookie. And the point I made, and I will continue to make is if, you know, this is the trinket that the giants get to have, you know, and the Browns get to enjoy Baker Mayfield for over a decade while the giants are sitting there wishing they had him. You know, power to him. The bottom line is, I didn't care about this award because it just didn't. I, like personally, for one, I thought it was it should have deservedly been co-offensive rookie of the year. If there was ever a year for it, this felt like the year for it. But having I said think that, that, I think they both felt like that. I think Saquon felt like that. I think Baker felt like that. They, but either one of them would have been okay with it. Right now, the one part is, I I, I think is is crap. Is the idea that this is going to be a thing that bothers Baker Mayfield uh, and the whole chip on his shoulder? I think the chip on his shoulder is is how people are reacting to Freddie Kitchens. That genuinely bothers him. Like hit, you see how he tweets and some of the interviews and stuff he's done. I think he's even got T-shirts to this effect. <laughs> like I don't think the Rookie of the Year is what bothers him. And then I mentioned this when they hired Freddie Kitchens. I think the players are pissed in this on this team because he was a very popular choice in the locker room. Not everybody loved it, but most of the players were a hundred percent in this, especially the guys who played on offense. I think all the criticism being directed at Freddie Kitchens, you know, this this is right in Baker's wheelhouse anyway. You know, he's got that Michael Jordan dean of contrived uh, animosity and, 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 and shade being thrown his way. Uh, this this goes right to him. But I do believe that those other guys in that locker room feel that way. I do believe that there 
are far more, even far more than even people in Cleveland realize bad feelings toward Hugh Jackson and the breath of fresh air that not only came from getting rid of him and Todd Haley, but just how much they admire Freddie Kitchens. And I think, you know, and, and we've hinted at this, you know, this idea that, uh, you know, the, the reality is I think the Browns players, it's it's really a question of if they're going to try to overdo it in this offseason. They want to get back so fast. They want to pick up where they left off so much that they, they potentially – you know, overdo it a little bit and have to basically be told, look, man, we got to, we got to pace ourselves a little bit. But I do believe that those guys like Zeitler, those guys like Batonio, Treader is another one that's, you know, they, these guys are going to play their asses off for Freddie Kitchens. And I think all this stuff is going to be internalized when it gets to mini camps and training camps and stuff. And, and, and certainly Baker Mayfield is the guy who, is, is the lightning rod when it comes to this, and he's going to keep enforcing it. But I really do think that as much as – and maybe it will. Maybe there's some part of it that, that, that will bother him that he didn't win Rookie of the Year. But I do think most of it is largely connected to this idea that Kitchens was not a great hire, that Freddie Kitchens was a, a – there weren't any better options that would have taken the job hire, and that the Browns are still being disrespected. And that's the stuff that at least this past season has been fueling them – and, and you wonder how far it can go, but as long as they can keep believing in it, just like the Patriots almost had a cult-like uh, feeling when it came to this idea of the... the, the, the this the scrappy underdog. Five-time Super for these Bowl kids. champion was an underdog. Yes. The kids from the uh, Sandlot, oh my God, let's root for them because they're such an inspiring story. Right, so... Yeah, that's that's where I think this really ends up being is is people will talk about rookie of the year and I expect Baker Mayfield will be asked about rookie of the year, but I think more of it will be, and I'll be curious to see as he as he when they get back to a team uh, setting if that doesn't come out more about Freddie Kitchens. But yeah, the, the, I believe their tagline is you know us against the world and, and referring to Baker Mayfield and Freddie Kitchens like that's how much he sort of embraced its idea. Uh, that's what I'm watching. Yeah, and and the one thing I saw was um, yeah, and this was a, a a popular tweet. It was the Mercedes Benz that was in Browns colors in Atlanta this week, and you know Demarius Randall. Ooh, I gotta get me one of those. Earl Watford. Um, Earl, we love you, big guy. He ain't gonna be back here though. But Earl Watford. Ooh, if I resign, this is how I want to get my, my my Tesla done. Yeah, I mean, and you see where these guys are going with it, and. Look, you know, Baker Baker's going to back his guy. And look, you know, maybe Freddie, a little bit of a country bumpkin or whatever. But look, we're good with it, guys. Uh, anybody here, guys, gals, Cleveland Browns-wise, we're good. We're comfortable with what we got. Yeah, obviously we want to uh, bring a little more in, add a little more in here. But uh, we're ready to go to battle here next year. Guys, uh, like I said, we are officially in off-season mode. Pete's going to start hitting the articles over at NFL Spin Zone, whether it is... Free agency, draft reports, a lot of stuff is coming this way. The shows are going to continue to pump out. Um, it's been amazing, the response here and, and the listenership. When we are literally in the complete offseason, maybe has something has to do with the cast. Guys, I'm sorry about that. It's just a crap show over there. Um, maybe baseball is going to get delayed because you know, Bryce Harper and Manny Machado, could you get off your asses and sign your free agent deals so we can get this puppy underway? 
and we can get the entire MLB season going here within three to four weeks with pitchers and uh, pitchers and catchers reporting. But guys, we're not stopping here. Plenty of stuff pumping here through here with Lockdown Browns. So follow Pete Smith. Follow the Lockdown Browns account on Twitter. We keep it a follow back account. Follow me personally at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Um, congrats to the Patriots. Uh, you know, like we said, the got to root for those guys who you know the one for nine. You know. The, ba- the little league sluggers who went two for 50, but eventually hit one out of the park. We're tired. It's our time now, guys. It's Browns time. LGB on the LOB. Let's go, Browns.